Don't feel like just because you want to be this thought leader that you need to portray yourself as a thought leader. Sometimes it's just as important to say, you know, I don't know anything about that or I'm not an expert on that. Don't try to be that expert because you end up hurting yourself in the long run. Welcome to NPS I Love You, a podcast powered by Catalyst. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and this show is all about awesome people, ideas, and stories, all with a customer success twist. On NPS I Love You, I talk to everyone from artists to scientists, CEOs to CSMs, and everyone in between to give you powerful insights that will help you in your career and in life. Miranda Dekonski is VP Customer Success and Operations at Swiftly and is on the Governing Council of the Customer Success Leadership Network, a community group and Slack team with over 2,400 CS leaders and counting. Today, Miranda and I discuss CS in the boardroom, building your personal brand, using Slack to manage customers, and some of the biggest mistakes we've both made at work. Did you watch the inauguration? I couldn't. I started at 8 in the morning. I started working. I had it like silently... I had my volume off and I had my, my cell phone here while I was doing phone screens. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I would recommend if you... Biden's speech was good, but like J-Lo won the day, in my opinion. Oh. Um, when she sang, this land is your land, I was like, okay, I'm ready to move to the States now oh. because that was wonderful. Oh, yeah. You're in Canada still. I, I don't yeah. know why I keep forgetting. I grew up 45 miles from Canada. So Where did you grow up? I grew up in Michigan. Oh, I didn't know we that. We used to go to Canada to drink because you could drink at 19. <laughs> 18 in Quebec is really no rules it's uh, yeah no rules it's like lawless um, pretty much yeah <laughs> anyway and we go to italy and you're like oh we can drink at nine great let's go <laughs> awesome you said you were doing phone screens today what was the are you hiring a lot or what's the what are you screening for yeah so we are you know embarking on some rapid growth here at swiftly so i am interviewing right now for customer success managers um, I need two customer success managers here in the United States somewhere. And then I'm also hiring for an international customer success manager, preferably in Spain or UK. So uh, lots of hiring, lots of phone screens. Um, right now, I, I run all of my own recruiting. So as you can imagine, it's chaotic. But we're adding close to 50 people this year to Swiftly. Oh, wow. It's crazy pants. That's kind of where I'm at right now is sifting through and trying to figure out who do we need right now, right now in this time, and will they be that person that we need a year, two, or three out as well, right? So it's now and three years out. Um, and it's hard. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a the three. I don't know what my life is remotely going to look like three years out. So it's hard to plan to imagine other people's lives three years out and what are they, what stage are they going to be at? But I totally get the pain of not being able to kind of hire everyone, you know, especially when there's so many great candidates. But you are doing a lot to help people in the CS community through the Customer Success Leadership Network. That was something I did want to ask you about was, you know, your VP CS and operations at Swiftly. You're also uh, on the team that created and runs the Customer Success Leadership Network. Are those kind of related? Is that like a whole separate thing in your mind? Like, what? how do you kind of divide that up? Yeah, that's a good question. So one, of course, there is some separation, right? So Miranda at Swiftly, Vice President, Customer Success and People Apps. It's my career. It's part of me. But I try to keep these things separate, right? 
I learn a lot from the customer success community. So, you know, if you think about it that way, it's not as separate as it's like not two different jobs, right? It's they're very entwined. The customer success leadership network, you know, we we started quite a few years ago. I think it's it's about five years now. It was really just a group of customer success executives that wanted to support each other and move the community forward and make sure that there's just this customer centric focus around the function. And it's evolved quite a bit over you know the last few years. But it first started just very centered around leadership, and we still are. You know, we like to do knowledge sharing, idea sharing, information sharing, all of that. But right around March, when this COVID thing started happening, and we're like, well, this will probably last a couple months, uh, March of 2020, to be clear, and we're now in January of 2021, just for those that don't know, we thought, well, this might last for a little bit, but we started seeing people laid off. We're like, what can we do? So... I threw the idea out there of starting a Slack group and we all hopped on board. And I think now we have like 2,400 members. Crazy, It it is. And it was really centered around giving folks that were looking for a job access to leaders that may be looking for people and kind of cutting out some of the, the middleman mess that you can sometimes encounter. And then now it's, you know, it's grown and evolved into, you know, people talking about best practices and sharing information about events. And I get, you know, pings all the time about different channels that people want me to create so where they can share their pets and then they can talk about this, that, or the other. I usually say no because I I only want like six channels I have to moderate. (laughs) So, but it's been, while, you know, the initial question, do I view it as separate or together? The answer is separate on some days, but together on most, because I am at my heart of hearts, a customer success professional. Mm -hmm. I love customer success. So I think everything I do every day, whether it's post something on LinkedIn or talk to you, uh, it's just part of my life. And it's great that as CS people, we get to do that and consider that as part of our job. Yeah. Yeah, the, the leadership network has been awesome for finding people and topics and events and and all that kind of stuff. Is there something particular that you're hearing lately from people in the CS community as jobs aside, but from leaders as a challenge that they're facing? Yeah, I mean, taking, uh, you know, the leadership network out of the equation and just in general, the thing I'm hearing the most from leaders right now is there's this big focus on being a customer success leader at the board level that we never experienced before. Mm. I've always had a seat at the table. Um, I've always attended board meetings. I've always presented my data and, and showed the board, look, this is how awesome we're doing. Look at the rock stars that we have, right? And these are the challenges we're facing. What do you think about this? Like always have, have done that. But now, you know, I think we're realizing one with COVID, People have to do more with less everywhere, mm-hmm. especially, you know, budget-minded companies. They have to take a look at all their line items and figure out what is going to help me operate smarter. What is going to help me operate more efficiently? What is going to help me save money? What is, you know, all of those things. And I think customers are, companies everywhere are having to do heavy scrutiny of their budget. Why does that matter? Well, I mean, you know, what do we do? Customer success. We help 
these companies, these customers achieve return on investment on the product, move the needle on efficiencies. And if we're doing our job, you know, at its finest, we are partners to these customers. Boards are seeing this. They're seeing that the funnels are slower for inbound. Um, new customers, uh, you know, not for all industries. Some industries are through the roof right now, but that's not the majority. So the focus is, is how do we retain the current customers? How are we stronger partners for these customers? How do we expand uh, with these customers, expand our reach? And I think this is going to be a great time for customer success leaders to really show everyone at the board level and beyond what we could do, what customer success can do. Uh, And I think customer success is going to continue to be a hot job. It has been for years, but I think we're going to see it even more so now because there's going to be that big focus across the board at the customer, at the board level, at the company level, everywhere about efficiencies, revenue, bottom line. And that's where we play best. So definitely. And, and, yeah, it's, it's really been coming to light more and more. And and that's great to hear that you're, I mean, you've always been in those board meetings, but I think a lot of leaders haven't been and are now for the first time. Um, are there one or two things that you've seen work really well that CS leaders should should do or, or focus on if they're given, you know, their five minutes at the, at the board meeting? A great way to approach it. And everybody probably has their own style, but this is kind of my style. One is figure out what they care about you know, have a few key stats that you present every time, Uh, have trend line charts that show that you're moving, you know, hopefully up and to the right. Otherwise, just doctor the data so that you're moving up. (laughs) Uh, So one first, make sure you're presenting data that they care about, but don't cover everything in cotton candy fluff, right? Be real. If you have a few key areas that you're struggling, call it out because that's really what your board is there for. They're not there to be scary. If you have a a good board, they care and they could maybe help introduce you to resources if you're struggling in a certain way. So I always go in with your key metrics to give them the state of the state and then maybe a few strategic. Don't go into the weeds and say, we're not getting through all of our tickets, right? Don't go that, that low. But a few key strategic areas that you're focusing on and that maybe you could use assistance or uh, maybe they you just want them to know you're focusing on it, right? Just very simple, you know, keep it short, simple, sweet, but also just paint the picture and then go in with your asks. Definitely. One thing I wanted to ask you about is... I feel like as the CS space has gotten bigger and as the job market for it has gotten bigger, there have been kind of more and more customer success thought leaders coming out and people who want to become CS thought leaders and build their personal brand and and all that great stuff. I think, and that's advice I've given to a lot of job seekers, right? Is you need a way to differentiate yourself and building a personal brand is, is a great way to do that. Curious if you, what advice you would give to someone who, because I think even right now, the, the point I was making was that because it's happening more and more, you know, I think a few years ago, it was much easier to stand out from the crowd by doing the thought leadership stuff. So given the volume that's out there now, what's what are some ways that you think that people who are just starting to build their personal brand, want to become CS thought leaders, some things they can do to really still stand out and make an impact and hopefully elevate their career? Oh, that's such a good question. And I as well have given advice to job seekers, you know, write, write, you know, you can write articles on LinkedIn. And if, if you are a candidate that ends up in my pipeline, 
I guarantee you I'm going to look at your LinkedIn and I'm going to look through what articles you've published, what you've liked. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds creepy, crazy, but Stalking I just kind you. of want I'm a stalker, but I, I want to see that. So advice, it is tougher. It is, it is, it is definitely tougher, but not impossible. So one, first things first, write about what you know. If you want to be a, a thought leader first, I don't know if I like the title thought leader. I think it's kind of weird, right? I just write and talk about what I know. If I don't know about it, I don't talk about it. I don't have an opinion on it. I don't talk about it. So find things that you know about and write about it and dissect it and drill in and create actionable content that somebody who doesn't know about it could take and use it to uh, move their career forward, right? Two, look at people who are maybe in a phase or two behind where you're at in your career and help them help them with their careers, you know, create content that's directed towards them. And then soon enough, you'll be the expert and you'll be their thought leader, right? Third is if you aspire to kind of, I I don't, I I don't want to say move up, but continue to elevate your skill sets, make sure you're you know, consuming content and exposing yourself to where you want to be. And then, you know, soon you will have built the muscle memories that you need to now write at a different level or, you know, uh, help people that are aspiring to be at that level as well, right? So it just doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey, just like your career is a journey. And if you continue to invest in it and look at it in that way, you know that there's always somebody who is just getting started that is looking at you and saying, how do I get to that level? And it's just like me. I look at people and I'm like, man, how do I get there? Right. What do I need to do? What do I need to invest in to, to be able to, to be there? And that's the stuff that I'm like absorbing and reading about and trying to understand. Everybody has to pay their dues and do the same thing. Well, I mean, I know you're talking about me, so I'm happy to advise you any day. If you want to get, uh, <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> no, that, that's all phenomenal advice. I love the idea of just, I think what we all try to to do in the space, it's, it's find your own success by helping others be successful. And I think taking that to heart when it comes to not just what you're doing as a CSM or as a head of CS or whatever your role is, but you know, as a person who's looking up for your own career, building a brand, being a thought leader, whatever you like to call the term. Yeah. Helping others is, is one of the best ways that you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like paying it forward, right. And know that there will be others as well that will invest in you along the way. I have a lot of those folks in my life. A lot of folks that are on my speed dial, whenever I encounter something, I'm like, holy smokes, what do I do with this? (laughs) Those people are invaluable. Yeah. I I think it's just important too, as you know, there are so many platforms out there to give people a platform. One, don't pretend you know everything because that right there could take you down a very interesting path, right? And that's one of the things that I say, people reach out to me, what do you think about this, that, and that? And I'm like, I have not encountered that. I have no opinion. I'm so sorry, right? So be, don't feel like just because you want to be this thought leader that you need to portray yourself as a thought leader. Sometimes it's just as important to, to say, you know, I don't know 
anything about that, or I'm not an expert on that. Don't try to be that expert because uh, you end up hurting yourself in the long run when you have learning opportunities you could miss out on. That'd be a fun social campaign or something like that. Like, let's all post things that we don't know anything about yeah. in our field. Yeah. I have no idea how to do customer success in a B2C environment. I would be probably useless as a CSM for like Spotify or Netflix or something like that. I think people need to talk about that more often too, but I think it's a great point. I mean, one of the dangers too, though, that I think people need to watch out for is, is being repetitive as well, because I think that a lot of times there might be things that you are an expert on or you do feel like you know, but it's been written about a hundred times over and people are bored of hearing it. So I think that's where I think the other piece comes in where it's discovering what your personal opinions are on that thing. Like maybe you know all the best practices for B2B customer success, you know, retention strategies or best how to do a great QBR, EBR, but it's, you know, been written about a hundred times. So what's your personal flair that you can put onto that to make it something that is unique to you, unique for the reader? Because that's the stuff that, I think really separates, helps to separate from the crowd as well. Yeah. And just know not everybody's going to agree with your opinion. And that's what makes us great. That's what makes makes this world great, right? We can all have our different flares that we put on things or our different opinions on how we would operate. Most cases, there's no one right way to do a thing. There's usually multiple ways that you can do something. So figure out what your your opinion is on these and and put your own touch on it. Yeah, I agree with you. And be ready to to defend it and be ready to admit that you were wrong if someone comments, yeah. which I've had happen many times on things I've said or written, where they're like, actually, I don't agree with that. And then they'll say their thing. And I'm like, you're completely right. Haven't thought of it that way. And I mean, that's the interesting discussions. And it's why, I mean, one of the questions I'm going to ask you on is, is, you know, an opinion that you have that other CS people would disagree with because conflict is interesting. So I want to know what you might get into a debate with someone on or what commonly held CS belief you think people hold that might be incorrect. Oh my gosh, Ben, this is such a hard question. I know, I'm putting you on the spot. I could go down many paths here. So we did this debate initiative, right? Do have, So I do have your votes on record. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to bring up some of the, one, of, one or two of those and I'm going to sure. get you to... Uh, to tell me your opinions. And it depends is not uh, allowed for the next the next two minutes. Okay. Okay. Using Slack to manage customers, good or bad? Bad. <laughs> well, why? <laughs> See, that wasn't so hard, was it? No, because I, I have a very strong opinion about that. It could work in some instances, but here's the thing. You lose a lot of insights, a lot of analytics. You set up sometimes unscalable and unmanageable expectations. And I know people are probably disagreeing with me because one, it could be great for building relationships because you're giving the customer this direct, you know, direct channel to always communicate with somebody on demand whenever they want. I just personally think it's, it's not scalable and it's not measurable. I want to know why the customers are reaching out so I can solve it for everyone, uh, and you lose little snippets of insights that you would get if you had them reaching out through a formal chat system or, you know, a Zendesk system or some kind of system that you can write why they've contacted you. Unless you want to have your CSMs keep a notebook and tally 
Well, customer X reached out to me 20 times today on Slack. I just, I don't know. It's a very slippery slope. However, I do have some vendors that I text every once in a while. Mm-hmm. That's a slippery slope too. Yes. It's just, I don't abuse it. If, it. if I need it, it's an emergency. I would be okay with there being a Slack channel for emergencies, but it never works out that way. Do you give your cell phone number to your to any of your customers? Yes, I do. They don't usually call me unless there's an outage or an emergency. You have good customers then. Absolutely. We have great customers. I'm, they're the best, actually. I, uh, they're very respectful of that. They understand that if there's an emergency, they can always call me. Um, not every customer gets my cell phone, but uh, quite a few have it. Uh, and it's in my signature, too. So. Okay. That, that's good. I, I think I, I shot myself in the foot when I, I used to be in health tech and my customers were surgeons who are used to being on call 24-7. So why wouldn't they assume that I am also on call 24-7? And that was not something I'd anticipated. But fortunately, uh, it was became mostly manageable and I got good at just ignoring my phone if, if I knew it was uh, who it was. I had, and this is probably 15 plus years ago, but this was the days of home phones. I had a middle of the night emergency and I don't even think I had a cell phone or if I did, it wasn't like it is now. They went online, a customer did, and found my home phone number through like whitepages.com and called me at one in the morning on my home phone number because they had an outage. And I'm like, sleep. And I'm like, hello? Oh, no. And they're like, this is this Miranda with blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, hello? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I know the, the whole like spectrum of it, of people yeah. having access to you 24-7. And I want to be a guardian to my team as well. Yeah. If you create these Slack channels, these shared Slack channels with your customers, who's going to monitor it? Who's going to monitor that 24-7 because you need to set something up if it's a 24-7 operation? And when is your your customer success manager ever going to be able to go on vacation and not worry that somebody's monitoring that slack? Yeah. Even that in general has become, I mean, it's something I've heard is sort of an issue from a lot of teams right now because companies are being really sensitive. They're trying, they're offering more mental health days and benefits like that. But if you're customer facing, it's hard to take a full day off, especially if it's not a holiday where your customers are also off. And even if the customer success team gets the day off, then the customer support team, someone's drawing the short straw or, you know, you might have to have a few people that you know, need to be on call. And so the whole company is taking this nice mental health day, except for this one team that is probably one of the most stressed teams of the company that can't take it or needs to figure out their own sort of rotation. Have you like, is that something you encountered swiftly or you've seen other companies solve for? Oh my goodness. This has been my life. I've been customer facing now for 20 something years. And, you know, even on holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you name it, we're, we're always on. Depending on the product, we're always on. When I was in uh, vacation rental tech, I gave my team Christmas Eve off thinking nothing is going to happen oh, in no. vacation rental tech. Well, let's just say the city of South Lake Tahoe had a sewage problem on oh, Christmas no. Eve. Um, and as the COO of the company, I ended up spending my Christmas Eve on the phone calming people down. So it is a problem across our what we do, right? We're customer facing. And if you're if we're in a product that works 24-7, which most of us are, most of us, our products don't stop working or our customer base doesn't stop working. You have to do a rotation. You have to make it work. You can also, uh, if you are global, you can kind of spread the love across time zones. Mm-hmm. So what's Christmas day here could be tomorrow somewhere else. 
you know, and try to, you know, hire like that. But if you're local, I always say try spreading the love across the org, not just across the team. So if you have folks in product or engineering or at the executive level, if you're a smaller scale startup, have everybody take a turn monitoring the inbox to make sure that there are no outages and there's no problems, you know, spread that love. It's a good suggestion. I think it's, yeah, it's hard for, for companies where they're small, right? And they can't spread it out too much, but yeah, everyone pitching in and kind of looking at it as a, a team problem, not just a customer support problem or a customer success problem. It's probably the first, first and best place to start at least. Absolutely. Do you manage support as well right now? So right now you're VPCS and operations. So under our umbrella, we have in the customer success org, we have implementations, renewals, management, tech support, and customer success. So And where did the because you started VPCS and then you became VPCS and people operations? Where did that kind of second half come from? You were bored or, and wanted to more pressure? What, what was the, uh, the drive for that? I knew COVID was coming and it was going to be really easy. Super relaxing uh, year. So you're like, yeah, just yeah. give me 50 more people. And, totally. Yeah. So when I interviewed at Swiftly, they had this gap. Um, and, you know, I'd done, you know, some people operations stuff before. I was the COO of that one company and, you know, did it all there and, I had said, look, I can help help you out for a short time. That's how it always begins. Yeah. And I didn't formally put it in my title until January of last year, but I had it since day one. Oh. So it wasn't a promotion. It was just more of like an acknowledgement. <laughs> like You're where, I am, this job, so. where I am right now. Yeah. It's not, I, I can't do it for the long term. We know that. And I've raised the flag already saying like, this is just not sustainable mm-hmm. for one human being to have two very busy departments. It would have been more sustainable if it had not been for COVID. But COVID has just thrown a monkey wrench into everything. Um, One, customer success is really busy, you know, and two, human resources is really busy too. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where it came. It was just more of a, I can do this for a little bit until we get to a point where we need someone. And, you know, I have thankfully... And I'm giving a huge shout out to Anne. She's amazing. She's our people ops manager, our manager over people ops. She is just a rock star. Without her, I probably would be sitting in a fetal position in a corner, rocking back and forth because she is the glue that holds people ops together. I just merely help move any barriers for her and that's it. So Excellent. I mean... Yeah, sounds like a fantastic person to have in that role. And everybody needs an Anne. Everybody so, needs an Anne. That's the that's the not moral. My, not my Anne. No one touched Miranda's hand. <laughs> but it's it's hard. I know so many people. I feel like that's a. I don't know if there, we we have to come up with a name for it or something of that, that effect because I feel like I know so many people that because they're they're at startups, they're problem solvers, they're versatile, they have different experience. So when a gap comes up or a problem needs to be plugged, they're like, I can do that, no problem. And they take on the the extra thing. And then it's meant to what's meant to be temporary becomes the norm. And because that person is doing that role, the company doesn't prioritize hiring for that role. And so it becomes this well, how long can this person survive doing this, and how urgent will it become for the company? And does that person have the you know, have all the backing they need to to push for for a hire for that role? So it's definitely a great way to get good experience and to maybe get to a promotion. But it's also something to be very wary of when our instinct is to jump in and and help whenever we can. 
beware of what you're taking on and what you're agreeing to, right? Yeah, I, I think your call out is really good. And, you know, if anyone listening takes anything from this, it is fun to work in startups. You can wear many hats, you can touch many things, and you can break many things. And you can, you know, yep. it's it, there's a lot to learn and a, a lot of fun to be had. But there's also, you know, stress that comes with it. So make sure that you are an advocate for yourself. If you are joining early stage, and I'm talking seed series, series A, series B startups, to where you are generally more of a generalist and less of a specialist, just be an advocate for yourself. And when you figure out, when you see that your work life is taking over more of your personal life, like throw the flag up immediately and get help. I see a lot. I see exactly what you're saying happen a lot at startups. It's not an uncommon thing. And a lot of people don't advocate for themselves and then they just leave. And that's unfortunate because then the team and the company loses a tremendous resource because the person was afraid to throw the flag up and say, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a, a tough lesson. Everyone has to learn, learn at some point, right. To be know yeah. when that you can throw that flag up. And if the company leadership is good, they'll be appreciative that you let them know instead of just leaving or, you know, getting sick or, you know, whatever else can happen when you push too hard for too long. So uh, it's definitely important to be vocal about that sort of thing. Totally. I agree. But again, it can be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. That goes without saying. I think every, you know, start. It's it's a blast. I don't. I don't think I could survive in any other type of company, to be honest, because I just have such a little patience for for anything. I need to be able to move fast. And yes, yes. Sometimes I will make horrible mistakes that I then feel terrible about for years to come. But uh, sometimes it'll it yields really great stuff too. So you got to take the, take the good with the, the bad with the good. Topic for another podcast one day um, is. The one time I caused a multi-million dollar global recall. Oh, no. <laughs> That's for another I'm really day. interested to hear this story now. Did you like... Work? Okay, anyway, there's a million directions my mind is going, but that, that sounds, yeah. uh, sounds like a great story. Let's just say I, I used to break stuff a lot. Fair enough. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, at my very first job, I feel like I nearly got fired for a uh, startup job for emailing info with a, like, private customer information to like a full email list of thousands of customers that no one was supposed to see. And since then, I've been traumatized. Every time anyone in marketing knows this, or even in CS, if you're emailing all your customers, anytime you're emailing a list of people, it's like the most horrifying feeling when you read it a thousand times and then you hit send and then you go back to read after what you sent to everyone. And then like the one time out of 10, you notice a typo or you notice like some small thing and you just hate yourself for days after. That's Oh God, yeah. You're, you're so human, Ben. We all do that. That's, uh, you know, and I have had mistakes that have been pretty bad in my career. It's not about the mistakes that you make. It's about how you recover from it. How do you react? Do you hide it? Do you call it out and say, Hey, I did this and learn from it and help others learn from it. Right. And, you know, for me, everybody's going to make mistakes. We're humans. We're imperfect by nature. That's what makes us so awesome and fun. Right. That's the kind of team members I like. It's the folks that you're going to make mistakes, but own it talk about it, help others learn from it so we can learn faster as a group and not make that mistake again and again and again, just in different, you know, portfolios or different positions. So. And I think the biggest thing with that is people like yourself being willing to do that, right? People in leadership positions exemplifying to their team, like, 
this is something I messed up and here's how what I'm going to do differently. And because that okays it for the rest of them to do it. So I think that's such such an important thing for, for a leader to do regularly. I mean, hopefully they're not messing up regularly, but you know. Well, I mean, you know, not all of us can be perfect like you, Ben. But, <laughs> no, but you can try. You can keep working towards we'll it. Work towards it. There's goals. We all have goals. <laughs> a selfish question from the Catalyst perspective. Obviously, a whole range of B two B SaaS companies want to get attention from leaders like yourself to potentially buy their software. Besides inviting them on a podcast, uh, <laughs> surprise, we have a demo for it, you. Know, um, <laughs> besides, you know, besides things that are this extensive, what sort of outreach? do you actually respond to and what sort of outreach just goes straight into the trash bin? Right now, just to be candid, all outreach goes straight into the trash bin. I am so overwhelmed. Yes. I, I get, I get a ridiculous amount of spam in my LinkedIn and in my inbox. But if somebody wants my attention, one, don't be cheesy you know, figure out what I do, understand what I do. When people come to me and say, we can fill your inbox with leads, marketing leads, lots of leads. I'm like, you have no clue what we do, do you? Right. And that I'm I'm like, that is just, you obviously are are spraying and praying, Mm -hmm. but really look at what I do, what my company does, who I am and tell me how you're going to make my life easier. I have a lot of tools and the tools that make my life easier are the tools that stick around and those that don't get heavily scrutinized and I figure out what do I need to do to replace them. I think also for vendors, help with educational content. If I'm looking at your website and just reading your blog or listening to your podcast, I already know who you are. And I know when I need something, you'll be on my list. You'll be on my list of vendors that I'll look at because you're investing in my industry. You're investing in my career indirectly Mm -hmm. um, by helping me grow. That is the best marketing that any vendor can do is help move that needle uh, forward for the folks that are in, you know, the industry, in in industry that uses your product, uh, like customer success, right? So those that invest, I put them on my short list. Definitely. I I definitely agree with that. It's a great way to build awareness. And yeah, definitely custom outreach. And people can see through drip campaigns a mile away now. So it's really about one-to-one outreach and doing it in a way that's very reflective of, okay, clearly this person did their research and knows what I do and is proposing that their solution can solve this pain point for me. And anything besides that is just out the window. But if someone were to email you a perfect you know, you're struggling with recruitment right now. You need this thing and here's how easy it is to use and this whatever, you'd probably respond to them. Maybe, maybe. Or if they emailed me and said something, something about bananas. I don't know if you remember that. Um, oh my God. That, that was like almost a year ago, I think. Uh, but it was like bananas. Hey, it, stuck with you. Yeah, it, it stuck with me. I now I just think of this. Uh, I don't know who it is, but I'll never forget that marketing email where they're like, you need bananas and more bananas in your life. <laughs> so, Did you ever find out the context? Uh, of it? Well, they at- they're a marketing company. So they do marketing or it's a marketing consultant. So he markets himself under something about bananas. I don't know. So. It's one of those things that like, 
I'm all for, you know, a little like 10% clickbait. Yeah. Like, I, you know, you, you want a catchy title, you want to get someone's attention. Great. That's what I love to do every day. But it can't be so far detached from the content or what you're trying to pitch that people are like, wait, I thought I was going to meet sexy singles in my area. And now I'm, you know, reading about this. Um, so, you know, targeted Catalyst's meme game is like off the charts. So I love all the memes that you guys are posting on LinkedIn. It's so good just to kind of have a little bit of lightness in my feed when I scroll through 50 times a day. <laughs> That's definitely the goal, just to add some lightness to LinkedIn. Last question for you, um, because I love this question and I hear people ask it all the time and yet I've never asked it to anyone on our podcast. So if you could give one piece of advice to yourself when you were just starting out your career, what would it be besides buy Bitcoin? Oh God, I'm so upset I sold my Bitcoin last year. Well, last year is not bad. There are people on Twitter threads that talk about selling it when it was at like 70 cents or whatever. I sold it at 10,000 and now it's what, like at 30 or 40. So I'm so upset. Anyway, that's a rabbit hole. One piece of advice that I'd give myself, one, I think it would be to surround myself with folks that I admire early on, folks that I aspire to be like and learn from them. I think if I dig down to the, do the five why on myself, why would I, why would I say that? I think in your earlier in your career, sometimes you're afraid to admit what you don't know and you kind of fake it till you make it. You can really accelerate your learning if you don't do that. Like, <laughs> just, you know, I think we kind of, we, we touched upon it a little bit, but, you know, early in your career, sometimes you just don't admit what you don't know because you don't want to look bad. Mm-hmm. I think it's admit what you don't know early and often and surround yourself with the people that do know and learn from them. Awesome advice. I love it. Miranda, thanks so much for the chat today. It's flown by. It has. My pleasure. As always, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend. If you want to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. Until next week, I'm Ben Wynn, and this was NPS I Love You. P.S. I love you.